Hello and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce Odyssey podcast. I'm here with Max from Klar, and we're going to talk about something which I've been very interested in long time. Interested in for a long time. How do you create a single source of truth for e-commerce business? How do you pull in all these different sources of data to create something which will help you run your business better? So, without further ado, Max, it's a big question. Can you tackle it for us? Uh, well, yeah, I can try at least, Trevor. Thank you for having me. Um, I mean. Kind of really depends on where we want to start, you know, with this question because it's obviously something that that uh, many brands really need. And um, the big problem is especially for medium-sized business because small businesses they're usually in a stage where, you know, the data they need is mostly qualitative, so it's really about just understanding, talking to people if they're in the very early stages, trying to just iterate. Like on a qualitative level, trying to where do I have to adjust the product and my product experience and everything. So you don't really need big data, you just need the quality data, and that's usually happening in conversations. And the data side, you mostly just need some basic dashboards to kind of understand, you know, how's you know my base metrics going. Then you have the big companies, you have the resources to kind of build up their like fully fledged BI team, right? With like five or 10 people in them to like build everything up themselves. But that middle section is kind of like the big problem. They already have the needs to kind of um, be able to go deep into their data, but they don't really have the resources to build out um, a full team themselves, right? Okay, should we, should we just, can we just start by defining what we mean by this question and what kind of things it would include? So what would you say is when we talk about a single source of data, Tell me what kind of, you know, perhaps the, the top sure. few areas of data that we need to bring together and the problems that people have. So, um, you know, I think for me, a single source of truth would mean combining three areas of the business, meaning the acquisition side of the retention side of the financial side. Obviously, it does not replace on the financial side of bookkeeping um, because you still need your accounting and your bookkeeping for legal reasons, but it needs to be accurate enough, you know, to be able to make decisions on a financial level through your data, right? Because um, so um, I think that's that's kind of like the base components that it means for me. So that means you would need to obviously get all your revenue data in there from all the various sources you may or may not have. You need to get all your uh, marketing and marketing cost data into there. Um, and then as well as your product costs, your logistics costs, your transaction costs, right? And that's like okay. the core foundation of data you need to get in there. And not only just get it in there, but also get it integrated, right? So that you can obviously map these things across on various levels to really understand uh, how things work. Okay. So what would you, uh, so let's take these things, that, you know, what what kind of channels are people trying to integrate? So obviously I think, you know, for e-com it's quite, uh, you know, Facebook and Google are the two big ones uh, that kind of everybody seems to be using uh, if they have their own shop. And from our customer base, the next one that we see is uh, Clavio as an email tool that people integrate with. Um, and then after that's like kind of TikTok coming up now. Um, and then after that, probably Pinterest, obviously if you have an Amazon business and you want to integrate with Amazon ads as well. Um, but like those are the core ones really that cover, I would say probably, I would guess like 90 to 95% of the spend or the marketing spend that our customer base has. That is all like in this medium, small to medium sized e-com e space. Okay. So what would, what kind of dashboards do you think that people should have in order to, to understand their business? You know, it kind of really starts, there's various things for these different parts of the business. Um, I think something like, a, there's kind of, if I could choose two things you need to have, every business should have, right? I think it's the ability to have like a extremely well-structured P&L statement. Um, mm -hmm. So going from your gross merchandise value minus discounts and vouchers to your gross revenue, minus returns and taxes to your net revenue, and then minus your product costs. 
and the, log and the logistics and transaction costs to your various contribution margins so that you can really get like a good understanding of how your profitability and revenue lines are developing and having the ability to slice and dice that across various parameters. So saying, hey, give me that PNL statement based on different countries, based on different products, based on different channels that I'm going after. So that's the one thing I would definitely, uh, you know, you should be having because in the end of the day, really just it's about making money and really understanding where you make money and how profitable different areas of your business are, are really, really cool. Mm -hmm. And the second report um, that I think every business needs is um, a cohort report, um, which kind of combines all these aspects that I mentioned, the acquisition side, the retention side, and the financial side, all in one view, right? Because you can see how is your acquisition developing? How is your acquisition efficiency developing? And then how are you retaining and monetizing your customers over time? And are you getting better or worse at doing so, right? And a mm -hmm. code report as well structured allows you to do that. Um, and that's also why, you know, typically investors in the space, if they ask for one report, it's usually that one because it kind of contains all these three core elements. Okay. So let's... Um... Taking my business, because I run an e-commerce business, we've always struggled with this kind of thing. So we have a, it'd be interesting, let's leave, use, use me as a case study, right? So we use, um, we sell a lot on Amazon, we sell on Shop eBay, we sell on Shopify. Shop uh, we use a back-end system called uh, Blinworks, which is our <laughs> e-commerce system. So that holds our product data and it holds our um, cost data and it does our reordering. Um, <laughs> we also use um, Zero as our accounting system. Now, we would dearly love to have a single system where we could just set this all up and, and it would just run. And every day we could say, okay, yesterday we were profitable. You know, we could look at it on a day to day mm -hmm. or week to day basis and we wouldn't need to, it wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't need to generate lots of spreadsheets, et cetera, which is what we do now. Um, yeah. Is that the kind of thing which is possible using a system like yours? So, like I said, we kind of, not really including the financial side from an accounting perspective. Something like zero is not something we're integrating with and planning on integrating in the near future. Instead, you can, you know, uh, go in and configure your cost structure for so how much you're paying to your fulfillment provider and your changing production costs for your uh, cost of goods sold. You can configure that within our tool, and that's how we can generate this financial statement. But we kind of are not going after. Um, the, the bookkeeping or accounting integration right now. But beyond that, you know, it depends a little bit on how you have things set up and structured. But um, yeah, that's something. So could you, I mean, okay, so you've got, so your, your, your system doesn't deal with overheads. So you wouldn't, could you put, you know. Yeah, so right now we your... kind of, um, we, we, we are not including overheads. I kind of figured, you know, originally it's not that interesting because it's not something that's really changing on the daily level. So I always kind of figured that, you know, um, getting that information once a month from your accounting or accountant, whatever, is still plenty enough. Um, but we got a request from our customers a few times now, so it's something we're thinking about including also to the future. But originally, we kind of said we want to focus on those things that are kind of like extremely operational and changing, um, which is kind of like going through the entire variable cost structure. So including including product costs, logistics costs, transaction costs, and marketing costs. And leaving okay. the SGNA side out of it. So what it, what is it, what kind of level of accuracy can you hope to aim for? And what I mean by that is you always have if your 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 system will create a simulation of a business, right? So there'll be certain things. So you know, for example, with the, the career costs, 
but you can predict what the courier costs are. You can say, okay, these are the weights and these are the destinations, et cetera. But there'll be other costs. So for example, maybe the item's oversized and there'll mm. be additional costs and that won't be captured by your system because you're not looking at the actual invoices. So I've yeah. always found when I've made simulations like this that I couldn't get them more than about 90% right. Have you got any so, idea about how accurate your system, your, your system would be when yeah. so before the it's actually been reconciled? And the, on the fulfillment cost side, you know, it obviously depends on the complexity of how your deal is structured. If it's relatively straightforward, so if you offer compared to other tools out there quite a lot of flexibility to configure how your deal is structured, but it's not infinite, you know? Um, yeah. So if you have a simple deal structure, we can get to 100%. The more complicated it gets, um, obviously, the further we move away from that, we do... You know, obviously, always learn, learning with our customers on what are other common structures of how these fulfillment providers uh, price their services. Um, and based on that, we make adjustments to like move as many of our customers um, to like 100% um, as possible. But realistically, you know, like you said, there's always going to be some discrepancy for certain class of customers. And also said, you know, we're not going to replace the accounting side right now with that um, because you still need it anyway. We just want to get to a level where you are comfortable making all your operational decisions from that. But mm -hmm. that for me kind of means you want to get to like 98 plus accuracy um, on, on the variable cost side. At that level, I personally would say like also with my background in e-commerce, I would have felt, felt comfortable um, to make decisions based off that. You know, if I maybe just get a few cents here off and there. Um as long as you, as soon as you start having like massive gaps in some areas and you can't really rely on that stuff anymore. And um, then you, then you, yeah, have to somehow do it manually in a way. Okay. So if you've got a, if you, so do you take an order and then match the, uh, match the marketing costs against an order? Uh, so marketing costs we do to a certain extent, product costs, logistics costs, and transaction costs we do fully. Also breaking it down not just on an order level, but on a product level. So we would kind of break up the logistics costs uh, if uh, of that order and assign it um, across the various items that were included in that order. So that you can also break down product label KPIs to that same profitability level. Um, product like marketing costs, breaking it down on an order level is, I mean, you can do it, um, but it's kind of really like a imperfect science. It's something that we want to do in the future, but it's quite tough to do. Like it's, it's impossible to do right. Um, and just to get it directionally correct is already quite, quite, quite okay, difficult. Because so attribution so is pretty hard. Attribution is pretty hard. And even if you have attribution, like assigning it to a product level, and then how would you distribute those costs, not just on the product, but also to the items. Sorry, so not just on the order level, but to the items within that order. So it's a very, um, you know, multifaceted uh, problem. Um, that's, that's, that's not um, very easy to solve. Um, so we kind of like, and also it's not really a big question that we're getting from our customers like assigning okay. marketing costs on a per order level. Um, so it's not something we're focusing on right now, but uh, maybe something for the future. So is 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 the, the, the real benefit to be have understanding your customers or understanding your profitability? Because it seems to me that the, the, the you're suggesting is the customer bit, which is either the profitability is difficult because of, you know, you're, you're, you've got these marketing costs and they're difficult to assign to orders. Mm. So um, 
I mean, this is just a few of the things that we that we our product does. We obviously also help them understand what type of customers are most profitable for you, um, how certain influencer campaigns in terms of generating profitable customers for you, um, allowing you to really slice and dice your customer base to understand where your best customers are coming from, how are they behaving once they are customers, how frequently do they come back, what other products do they buy once they have bought for the first time, how long does it take them to do so. So those are all things we we help our uh, customers answer and now moving more into the marketing side also, just pulling together um all the data from the various sources into like one easy to understand dashboard so you can always understand you know how are your core kpis like your acquisition costs your um return ad spend across the board developing as you adjust things over time and a few more things that are coming out in the next weeks okay so what what's the benefit of okay so you've got your system which costs money or a system like yours which costs money and you've got google analytics and you know, the, the analytics that come in the clavios of this world which are free um what sure. is the what's the advantage is it is it tell me why it's uh, worth paying for an extra system i mean it's <laughs> it's so much uh i mean i at my previous role i was a cmo at a company called y food um, which is like one of the top d2c ecom companies here in germany um doing over 100 million in in revenue now and um i pretty much had two people just downloading data, updating spreadsheets. So that's uh, already like a massive amount of time savings on the one hand, because everything is, once you set it up, which takes like 30 minutes, like it runs on autopilot and basically updated every single day. So the easy thing is that you answer, that you that you uh, save uh, lots of time that you can invest doing something else that actually uh, more value generating. And the other thing is obviously also, you are able to go a lot more in depth into your data. There were quite a few things when I was at Wi-Fi that I wanted to analyze, but like, couldn't because I was simply limited by the computing power of spreadsheets and the time it would take would have taken me to build these spreadsheets in a way that uh, uh, would have allowed me to analyze it. And with us, you know, it's extremely powerful. You can go quite in depth into your data to see what's going on. Okay. So you talk about um, putting the fulfillment costs into the system um, and other other variables. Mm -hmm. How important is it to keep these things up to date? I mean, in my experience, these things change all the time. Is it a bit of a, you still have to do that. There's no way of getting around that. Or other, what would you recommend around that? No, obviously um, that's a data input, no matter what system you'd be using, uh, that's a record you somehow have to maintain, you know, no matter what you do. Um, it is not something that's just flying into any system automatically just because you signed a purchase order somewhere. Um, so that's something that you have to maintain. But the cool thing about our tool is that these things can be always be time-based. So you can say, hey, this used to cost X, now it's costing Y, and then two months from now it's costing Z, right? So it's quite flexible in, you know, um, using different costs for different points in time. Okay, so let's talk about let's let's have some real life examples. So can you give me like you know two good examples of how some a, a company you don't have to name the names you don't want to have have improved their business operations by using your tool, and what have they actually gained from it? Sure. Um, so the one side was. Um, one of our customers that um, used our our reporting to kind of really identify which of the influencers were actually driving profitable uh, customers, right? Mm -hmm. So um, kind of saw, hey, based on the discount calls that people used in their first order, they matched that up to their uh, influencer database. They're going to see, okay, hey, all these influencers are actually looking relatively the same based on how much it costs us 
for them to bring in a new customer. But now looking at the long time customer lifetime value, customer lifetime values that these people generate, there's actually massive, massive differences, right? So it really mm -hmm. makes sense to to intensify um and, and intensify our relationship with those that obviously bring in the best customers. So that's one easy example. Okay, can, I other... ask you, can I ask you a question on that? So how did you sure. calculate the customer? How did your system calculate the customer lifetime value? What, what did it pull the data in from Shopify and then look at other orders that had come from the same customers or? Sure, and then breaking it down a contribution margin too. So we calculate lifetime value based on contribution margin too. So net revenue minus product cost, logistics costs and transaction costs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. And then we can obviously group them by the discount code of their first order. And that's then how we calculate the lifetime value of those of those various customers. Okay. Um, that's one way. Another way is that we help the customer to um, quite a lot of their, of their forecasting. So forecasting their, their, their business, especially, you know, once, um, you know, uh, the COVID time instead of when, not really went to an end, but kind of like the COVID ecom hype went to an end. Um, it's really about, really important to, to, to forecast. Um, how much business will you actually be generating next year? Because obviously, once you if you order too much, you have massive inventory. You're not getting the orders in. You're gonna get into cash flow problems very quickly. And um, actually, once you have a really good quote reporting, um, forecasting how much revenue you will be generating from from your existing customer base, actually extremely easy. So we were able to take away quite a bit of the of the risk in the forecasting by being able to you know car, uh, for like very high very high certainty predict how much revenue they'll be able to generate in the next year from their existing customer base so they only had to forecast you know the new customer acquisition which is still a challenge but at least it was de-risked quite a bit already um so that's something we do or we have done for our customers uh we want me to go on or oh, yeah, yeah fine if you've got some other ones that's very interesting so tell me about i mean if you had a because uh, you know, let's talk about my business. So I have, um, you know, we sell a lot. We sell about a third of it's on Amazon, a third on the website, and a kind of third on other. And we have mm -hmm. difficulty understanding the profitability of our products across different channels. Is that sure. uh, that's a problem that we have? Um, and also, I mean, we have tried to assign kind of marketing costs to different orders, work out, you know, where the profit, you know, where the money is leaking out of the system. That's a problem we have. That's something which which can be achieved. Where the money is leaking out of the system. Well, if you've got like, you know, so for example, let's say you've got a, a, a price which is wrong in an order or in a, in a product or something, or you've got a, you're spending too much marketing on a particular channel. And mm -hmm. so you want to drill down on the, the channel and say, okay, this is, this channel's, this channel's not making as much money as it should, or this product's not making as much money as it should. So it depends if you define channel now as a marketing channel or as a sales channel. So is the channel now Shopify with Amazon versus other, or is the channel... Uh, well, like Shopify Facebook? would be the website, and so Amazon would be a channel and Shopify would be a channel. So sure. I mean, in that case, you're quite, you're quite flexible in the cloud to you now break it down across different sales channels. So comparing Amazon versus, versus uh, Shopify. Other, we don't really support yes, unless you pump them in through your Shopify, right? Mm -hmm. um, where there are extensions that do that. And then we can identify it as like an eBay order, for example. We have a few of our customers who do that. And then we can work with that and also break it down as its own channel. And then you can compare profitability across those quite easily and can see you know, how profitable are you in what area. So that's that's something um, we, can, we, can, we can certainly do. Okay. So, okay, what are the top five mistakes that you see people making when they're doing their reporting? Um, you know, I think it's actually mostly quite basic stuff. 
um, that really enable your your company or your organization to actually work with data. Um, the big problem and also one of the big things that we are working on is that this is all rule when it comes to data is like trash in, trash out, right? Yeah. So if you feed in dirty data, um, it's really difficult to generate accurate, easy to read data. And most e-com businesses have the tendency to not really care about how well they organize their naming, their product naming, their tracking naming parameters and everything like that. So um, just prioritizing that too late is a big issue. We have built various ways to try to clean that up as much as possible and generate as much insight as possible from the historic stuff. But there are limits to what, what you can do. So just, you know, prioritizing accurate, good naming of stuff, I think is something well, that's what really do you important. Think, what, what, does good, what does a good name look like to you? What does a good skew, skew look like to you? Because it's something I've always struggled with. It really depends on the business. For some, if you I mean most e-com business have quite lean catalogs, so for them it doesn't really matter so much. Otherwise, I'd probably be looking at having like a, a section there defining the type of product category. Um, so it defines the category so that you can easily see what category it is, um, maybe what subcategory it is, depending on the size of your product catalog. And then beyond that, I think you know it's kind of just probably like a random thing. It really depends on what the core organizational parameters of your catalog are, and those probably should reflect somehow in the SKU. Um, but now it also means like changing the names of of products over time, um, not naming your marketing campaigns accurately so you don't really understand what actually what type of campaign that was was used to advertise. Um, so those are all things um, that can kind of become generating insight from historic data because you have this massive you know potential value in there but if you have it not things not named it's quite uh, difficult to generate uh, the insights that might be hidden in it so that's the one thing um the next thing is well purely just educational really um on two levels so the one thing is um defining names for KPIs. So I used to be in meetings where like we talk about the number, like me and the retail head, and we were arguing about how much revenue was generated. And then after like five minutes of argumentation, we kind of realized that we used a different definition for the same number. Mm -hmm. And that can just lead to massive frustration. Uh, and it usually happens because different departments create their reporting themselves in silos. So I think just having very clear definitions for how certain numbers are defined um, is important. So that just everybody talks about the same and, you know, understands what you're talking about and it's the same understanding of it. And then secondly, is also about um, educating your employees, right? So usually there might be on the founder level, there might be some level of data literacy in place um, just because it's something they always kind of like, maybe always had or just had to, you know, always teach themselves. But then if you start hiring people, Depending on how much experience is left, the data literacy is oftentimes quite low. Mm -hmm. And just really making sure that your your people have um, the understanding to actually work with the data and how to read it. Because, you know, obviously everybody can read like, okay, revenue, budget was actual. When it comes to really drilling down and generating the insights from it, it's not always that straightforward and it's quite nuanced. And you have to look at different levels to actually draw the right conclusions from the data, right? So just really also educating your people there is um, another important thing. Third thing is then 
just as access needs to be accessible. Oftentimes, mm -hmm. you know, um, data is not made fully transparent and accessible only for a select group of people. And that might be, there might be reasonable in some cases, you know, maybe you don't want to send out your bank statement to every single employee, but uh, I'm usually an advocate for um, making data accessible for everyone in the company. We also don't price our product based on seats or anything like that, because I actually want our product in the hands of as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. um, so how much was that? Was that four or five now? I think you're uh, probably four, actually. I'm at four. So uh, I guess the final one is good. over-reliance or under-reliance on data. Right, okay. <laughs> so I can go in either direction. So I think, you know, for me, always it always starts with understanding the, the person behind the data and that allows you to interpret it, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially small, medium e brands, they usually don't have that massive tons of data that like everything can just be purely, purely data-driven. It's always also a function of, okay, understanding what is the, the person behind the data what are they trying to achieve? What questions actually might they have? And depending on what the answer to those questions are, um, you actually can make different conclusions from the same data. Um, okay. So I think not just relying on data, but also actually first investing in understanding the people behind that data is is, is something that not many people do enough. So, okay, what, what kind of level of detail do you think is necessary? Because obviously you could spend all day getting it absolutely perfect and going down to the nth degree. Where would you stop? Where, where would I stop? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think in the beginning, like I said, it's mostly qualitative. So you probably just need like a base, you know, dashboards, tracking costs and revenue really. Um, but I would mostly focus on qualitative data. So speaking to people, getting feedback on the product, why they're using it, why they love it, why they don't. So mm -hmm. that's very low. And then I think there's a, you know, base set of reporting. And that's kind of like what we're building out now in Cloud that you that you need. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, I don't think we still have a, a little bit to go, but I think, you know, I don't know, by the end of the year, maybe early next year, I think we kind of have like this foundational set of of, of reporting um, that you really need as a as an e-com brand. And then beyond that, you know, you need to have significant size, right? Because then the edge cases get so small that if you're actually focusing on those things, then you either need to be massive that these edge cases actually have real monetary impact in the end of the day, um, or you're focusing on on the wrong things. Okay. Um, so usually there's so much, you know, benefits if brands at that level that can be like things that low low hanging fruits that can be that can be grabbed you know that if you go beyond that you're probably probably focusing in in the wrong areas okay so like i've got last question for you um can be about anything this what are you nerdy about what's your uh, outside outside of me obviously data is a pretty nerdy thing anyway but what else what do you what else are you nerdy about when you're when you're taking time off from being nerdy about data uh so you know what my what my pet peeve thing is like i probably spend way too much time watching uh, American morning shows on American sports. It's kind of like my... <laughs> um, well, American sports, did you say? 
Yeah, it's like this, well, like they have like these morning talk shows where basically you just have two or three guys just screaming at each other, being in disagreement about yesterday's events in American football or basketball. Um, like, And it's basically always the same discussion every single time. And I've been watching it for like, I don't know, eight years now. And it's kind of like the same discussion over and over again, but I kind of love it. And um, so it's the same. You watch the same morning program with the same three guys. Yeah, having the same there's, like, there's, like, there's like one primary one and there's like two or three other, which I like watching every now and then and they're kind of just arguing the same thing like who is the greatest player of all time is this and this person if he gets traded to that team is that going to work out um it's kind of like always the same discussions and they never agree like they i think just, they never so they always just scream at each other and tell them each other that they're basically stupid so are you into american football then yeah i mean i know every sport really i think i played on quite lots of different sports uh and i think i can hold a good conversation on almost any any sport topic um because yeah you know just follow kind of everything cricket can you do cricket i i, I understand cricket i also lived in the uk uh i understand the difference between the test game 2020s and like all of that so i think yeah I've watched a few i don't know game lives also <laughs> so Oh yeah, so, yeah, I think we probably ought to we probably have to end it there because you're going to start asking me something, I, and I'm yeah. going to show my total ignorance. No. Max, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for you. Thank you for sharing your insights. I'm going to go you, away Trevor. and have a good look at my figures. <laughs> All right, thanks. Bye. Bye.